Hello and welcome to Found. I'm Daryl Etherington and I'm joined by my co-host and sometime conspirator. Jordan Crook. We are conspiring to bring you this show. It's a brand new show from TechCrunch. Well, I mean, this is the third episode. It's still brand new. And it's all about startup founders. We interview a different one every week about their experience building a company from nothing, taking it to, well... Actually, not like a global name or anything. We're mo- everyone we're talking to is still in the process of building, which is what makes it so interesting. How have you felt about the show so far? I've just really enjoyed um, getting like kind of the real story and the nitty gritty behind some of this stuff. We talked to a founder about like the worst news she ever got. And she she was happened to be on the side of a mountain. And, you know, like you get like this amazing detail that puts you, you know, in their shoes a little bit. And I've just really enjoyed it. I guess the expression is kind of trite, you know, the pulling back the curtain thing. But we get, we do get the real behind the scenes, the real real that the founders and companies don't typically put in their press releases. To Jordan's point, like people really open up to us and, and we've been thrilled to, to hear the story so far. And we're excited about this one, too. This week's guest is Earl Cole, who is the founder of the Smart Tire Company, a company that has maybe the most accurate name of any startup in history because they're literally building smart tires using space-age flexible materials. And I say space-age like literally because they're, they're working with NASA, so it's actually material that was designed for use in space. Jordan, what was your favorite part about this episode? Hmm, it's going to be a real mystery to most people. Actually, the funny thing is I'm a huge Survivor fan. It happens to be that Earl won a season of Survivor and I Fiji, could not wait Fiji to ask season. him. Yeah, well, uh, people don't. The the super fans know that many seasons were shot in Fiji, but yeah, he <laughs> oh, won the first Fiji okay. season. I wanted to talk to him so much about Survivor and it just so happens that the company he's building and the way he thinks about it and this like new space age material that he's using was equally as interesting. And if you know anything about me and how I feel about Survivor, the fact that anything in the world could be equally as interesting as talking to a winner about winning Survivor, that just shows how fucking cool this this company is and how cool Earl is. Yeah, for sure. It it, it was like I mean I mean I was already primed to like the space crap because that's like, you know, my whole thing. But I actually really liked the Survivor stuff too, which came up and Jordan Jordan was reluctant to bring it up at first because I think she thought that I was going to somehow punish her. <laughs> but I liked it. It was great. And it really did. It was amazing how reflective it was of, of Earl's experience as a founder. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot of lessons that you can. The cool thing about Survivor, if I could just go off for a moment. No, I'm just kidding. But it is it is a reflection of life. It is a reflection of how you handle um emotional situations with other people around you and earl did an interesting job of kind of like applying it back to everything he's learned being the leader of a company as well so all right so now you're very excited to listen to the episode let's go ahead and do that take it away uh myself (laughs) (laughs) and me Uh, and jordan as well Uh, please enjoy our conversation with earl cole Earl, thanks so much. Uh, let's talk about smart tires. Let's talk about bike tires and space technology. Where did this come from? <laughs> it catches a lot of people off guard. Like, wait a minute, you're working with NASA 
<laughs> that's not even hasn't been my background at all. Yeah, it was it was interesting uh, how I got involved with this. You know, I've, I've always been a big fan of you know NASA and science in general, but I got invited through I forgot I think through LinkedIn or something, and they were looking for entrepreneurs for this new program that NASA was sponsoring, and it was like their first time doing this startup studio thing, and I was like, oh, you know. I mean, you know, check it out, you know, apply. And, you know, I got in. They said, hey, do you know someone else? I said, no, I have a friend, you know, that I have another business with. And they got him involved. And, you know, when you're part of this program, they show you these different technologies that NASA um, has innovated and a lot of crazy stuff. And the one thing that stood out for me and my co-founder was the tire. It was like, huh, now this looks pretty interesting. We told them that that's what we wanted to work on and you kind of competing against these other entrepreneurs and everything, but we were assigned that particular uh, technology and we were so glad. And, um, you know, you just kind of go from there and you work with the inventors and you have your ideas, you put together a strategic plan, you know, all these different things. We go through the program, you know, all this, it's um, programs have some young entrepreneurs, seasoned entrepreneurs, mentors, there's all these different things on there. So it really wasn't about the actual program for us. It was really the access to the technology and the inventors. So we got to know them really well and we put together this whole commercialization plan and we end up winning the whole competition, uh, our company. And from there, we just, you know, started working with NASA and our ideas and developing the technology and getting this whole thing ready for this year. This was last year, by the way. And so getting everything uh, to introduce it to the world this year and we had decided on a bike tire would be the, the easiest to market you know that's our you know as they say our our beachhead uh product uh, for in, investments and you know uh, so yeah so that's how we end up getting here uh tires aren't sexy but i say you know what? we are going to make tires sexy now okay we're going to be the cool you know new startup tire company because everybody's like tires like like goodyear yeah <laughs> like goodyear i think you've accomplished that yeah. Because I, as the resident, my job on this podcast and most things that I do is to not really know what's going on <laughs> and kind of come in blind. So I'm the mystery you've built around what exactly your product is, is very effective so far. Can you like what makes your tires so special and sexy? Well, the CEO makes it sexy, I would say. We <laughs> uh, <let me> just say. <laughs> I don't want to comment, but I do want to comment. I'm trying to make like, you I want, I, I want really badly to say something very sassy back, but I'm not going to. It I'm just going to say, fine. carry I'll, on, I'll adjust, sir. I'll adjust, of course. Um, well, our particular tires, we are utilizing this um, new kind of space age material. It's actually not new, but it's kind of new to the public. It's called uh, shape memory alloy, which is a uh, combination of nickel and titanium and this other uh, derivatives you can have as well and it's called nitinol but what's special about this particular kind of a metal is um, you can bend it in any direction and it goes back to its original shape perfectly like rubber so but it doesn't stretch like rubber like normal things where the bonds are like pulling apart it actually has this molecular reconstruction rearrangement which is very very you know high-tech sciencey stuff but uh, it makes for just a new kind of a material that hasn't been used before. They've used it for like F-18s and uh, they were designing it for the Mars rover that's going to be uh, launching in 2026. 
but they were, you know, considering like, hey, could we commercialize this? And it's kind of been sitting around. And we were like, yes, I have an idea. Let's try this. And it, you don't need air. It doesn't require air pressure. Um, there's various degrees on how you can make this in different formulations. So like I say, it can get pretty complicated, but just to make it simple. It's basically a lightweight metal that's elastic. So it can't be punctured. It's actually bulletproof too. We don't really say that. That's what another cool thing. So there's military. Why don't we make everything out of this? Exactly. I don't understand. We were thinking that shape memory alloy is going to be the next steel. So that's how big we're thinking this is going to be. And so we're just bringing it kind of to test it out with the bicycles and uh, tire. That's one of the biggest applications, obviously, $250 billion market, the global tire industry. That's awesome. But is it like, I know NASA has a thing where they're always very excited about like, you know, we want to show the impact we have back here on Earth, right? They're like, look, people are like, okay, you're spending lots of money, you're going to space, but what have you done for us lately, right? And so they they have like this aggressive thing where they're like, no, we've done tons and all the stuff that we develop usually comes back and, and goes into stuff here on Earth, right? When you go in, are there is there just like a bunch of cool stuff sitting around because they're not thinking that way? They're just like, I don't know, could you do something with this? And they just pick up like... <laughs> Like come into our museum. Word for word, like that. Actually, <laughs> I don't know, you, you, like it's literally like walking into like uh, is it 007 with the guy Q with all the the cool stuff around. It's like literally like wow, look at all this cool stuff, and they're just building it. Like, well, what are you going to do with this? And the tires, they were going to Mars, so that was, that was the thing. Like, I think we can use that here on Earth. And, uh, they should definitely get like a weekly tour going where they bring in like entrepreneurs and they're just like, can you sell this? So that well, this program we sounds to? like the start of that, right? They so. have, yeah, they have programs for all of this, but you know, not everything is you're able to commercialize it. You know, they have super duper cool stuff with thermal nuclear this and and that, and it, you can't exactly bring that to the consumers. So you got to really think about like as an entrepreneur, like what can actually work. What, what what can I use out of this suite of technologies that I think I can actually bring to market with my particular skill set and what I'm thinking could work. And that's kind of how we arrived on the the tire. Because a lot of people don't know, you know, a lot of your everyday things come from NASA, including baby formula. You know, that was for astronauts. Even your camera phone. You know, that was something they invented was the, the tiny little camera for your uh, smartphone. So these little things are part of your and the, the hand vacuum cleaner, like all these different things. People don't realize NASA invented that. And so this is another thing that's going to we think is going to be an everyday material like, oh, wow, cool. All right. So your your tires don't ever get flat. Like, yeah, well, whose tires get flat? We're hoping that's how it's going to be in 10 years. A flat tire is, you know, gone. Only restorers will go for the, the vintage rubber tires, right? Just to make. Wait, so can I ask a question then? So uh, when, when you saw this and decided, okay, like I can do something with this, I can make this cool, like indestructible tire. There had to be like something that you identified as like the rub, so to speak, right? Like what was the, what was the problem that I, it, we know what the problem in the market was, right? That you could create uh, this thing that, lasts a lifetime. And so ultimately, no matter how much it costs, it's going to be cheaper than replacing your tires every year or so. Was there a challenge in front of you in terms of how to commercialize it? Or like, what is it expensive? Like what what was the big kind of hurdle for you as an entrepreneur saying, I'm going to commercialize? Well, this? the biggest hurdle is working with NASA. So it's not like 
very easy uh, because of say, just throw them right under the bus. <laughs> well, they're a government entity and there's a lot of bureaucracy and all of that. So they're very slow moving Titanic. And, you know, the startup business is fast and very nimble. You're moving around, you're, you're pivoting, you're iterating, you're doing all that. NASA is like, you need a signature. We're going to need three weeks for that. Well, one signature, like, Wow. And so things can change a lot in those three weeks. And so you just got to get used to the rhythm of working with something so big like NASA, but keep your eyes on the prize. Like, okay, we know that we're working on something big and we just got to put everything legally in place and, and all of these things. And we, we, the, the challenges obviously, like I said, is working with NASA, but you know, the price, uh, educating the consumers. And so we figured out how, how much this actually would cost and then, how it can be scaled, uh, how you can decrease costs. I mean, there's a lot of different things we're doing that's all science and engineering stuff that that's what we're working on all for the rest of this year. That's why we're not going to market now and waiting until next year. It's a lot of R&D we have to do. Uh, We're getting partners uh, in place that are experts in their field. That's why we have a partnership with Spin Micromobility because we're going to electric scooter tires and e-bikes, and also Felt Bicycles, which is one of the top performance brands in in the world. So we're going to get all this data and analytics from these partners so that when we're ready to go to market, we have customers already in place. We have an infrastructure already in place. We just hit the ground rolling and be ready. Oh, yeah, honey. <laughs> yeah, but I, I mean, we've worked with NASA and I, that, that rings true to even us, right? Like, and we're not trying to get them to uh, sign over technology rights or anything like that. Like, we're just like, hey, can we get a speaker from the agency? <laughs> oh, gosh, you, they need about six months for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And But have you found during the course of working with them, has that changed at all? Because they talk a lot about public private partnerships and trying to like work with startups and work with smaller companies. And, you know, they they work with SpaceX all the time now and SpaceX is not like a permissions. They don't love asking for permission. They like doing things and then, you know, asking for forgiveness later. Right. So like, ha- have you seen their, their, their attitude change? Are they improving at all? Are they getting better at working with young nimble companies? Um, I think they are. Uh, I think we probably caught them off guard a little bit with our, you know, quick success, you know, it was kind of like overnight, like all of a sudden, like all this news and media and all these things were happening. Um, I think they're on better go. But, you know, every NASA, um, what do you call it, the, the entity, place, there's different ones. You know, there's JPL, there's Langley, there's all. I didn't even know there was one in Ohio. So that was, that was like, oh, there's one in Ohio. And that's where that's the pretty much the epicenter of the tire industry is Ohio. That's where Goodyear was born. That's where Cooper Tires is, Bridgestone. They all have, you know, these plants in Ohio. So there's a, it, it all just made sense, you know, with everything. So NASA is definitely all for uh, trying to help startups and help uh, people, you know, try to commercialize their technologies. It's just going to be a slow process to figure out the best way for them to do that. And I think when that startup program was their way, like, okay, we're going to try some different things as opposed to just letting our technology be available to, you know, large companies with, you know, millions of dollars where they can do it. Like, try some everyday people, see if they can do it. Some cool entrepreneurs, you know, they might have ideas. So it makes a lot of sense because then you get like, uh, you get hunger, right? You get like an appetite for it as opposed to if you're just working with Lockheed or, whatever like those guys are happy to buy up a bunch of technologies or just say like yeah we'll we'll 
put a waiver on that one and then just put it on a shelf in a warehouse and never worry about it for 50 years. Cause what, why not? Right. Like, so you want these young companies who are like, no, let's make this happen. And let's make this happen now. And maybe let's apply it in a way that you never thought of because you, you were thinking like defense primarily or whatever. Right. So, yeah, that's, that's perfect. Yeah. That's exactly what's been going on for decades. I can't stop thinking about, uh, material that you could like hit it with a hammer and it would just come like that actually freaks me out so much like, i think I mean, like, it's crazier than that it it you know there's different variations of this uh, material where you can heat it and cool it and it does these weird little things where they're saying you don't even need handles on doors like there's a locking mechanism uh that it's pretty pretty crazy like so can you can you like set how quick it is to bounce back like that kind of stuff yeah. right yeah there's different things so the way we're the way we're using this material we're using it to the point where it has these super elastic properties so that's what makes it like a bouncy type of thing so if you made a basketball out of this material it would bounce like bouncing metal that's yeah and it's not heavy like iron like think lightweight like you know aluminum you know type of thing so that's why you know again it fits perfect for bicycle you know, carbon fiber, aluminum parts, like all these lightweight metals. So, but imagine a super strong metal that's still lightweight and flexible. Like no one's ever seen anything like that before. It's a lot of cool applications for this, you know, in sports and, you know, you can go across the board. You know, our main focus right now is tires. I know that you're thinking much bigger. And like, if you were forced right now at this very moment, as I am forceful, to tell us what step two would be. Like, what is the second application? Could you like at least hint it? I, I cannot reveal that right now, actually. The board, I would have to think defense would be the next application because it's just so, there's so much money there to be made. Man. It's such guaranteed money. Bro. No, there's some cool stuff you can do with this for sure. And some and some fun things you'll be able to do with this type of thing. Like I said, we're really thinking it's going to be like the ne- next steal. And it's not going to be just us. I think um, eventually it's going to be other people trying this in different ways. So in no way we were t- trying to take full ownership of the entire you know, uh, category of this material. Uh, we're just kind of like introducing it, being one of the people to introduce it to the world. Do you think that that's your defensibility? Like that you are, you feel like uh, to, to some extent kind of first, because like you said, like it, you're not going to stop other people from coming and playing in this in this kind of material and like how much land can you grab early on or like what is the kind of defensibility that you're building into this business um for us is one of the largest which is tires so we're fine and you have patents too right yeah yeah it's three different patents for this is we're fine with the 250 billion dollar market for us it's really about we want to do something big you know this world changing you know, yes, we can talk about the money and all that. Sure, that's that's great. But you know, I've learned in my experience in life and as an entrepreneur, if you're just chasing the money, it's just going to be just hard for you. You, know, you got to chase the chase the the solution. You know, keep looking at certain problems and just try to find a solution for it. You know, and that's what motivates me. Like, how can I solve this? What's the next thing I can do for this? How can I solve that? Like, I like that. Yeah, and and with this, it's like. It, it's so world changing. Like it'll literally change the makeup of everything you see, right? Because of how prevalent tires are. Like if you think, I don't even what preceded rubber tires. I don't even know. Wood. Stone. Yeah. <laughs> a wagon wheel. 
Well, that's why reinvent the wheel is a thing, right? Like, cause we're talking about like f- first came fire and then came tools and then came the wheel. And it was like, those are the three biggies. Yeah, it's, it's, it's one of mankind's or humankind's greatest inventions ever is the wheel. And we're not going to reinvent the wheel. I don't think we can, you know, that's why our tagline is reimagine the wheel. Because a circle, you know, a square is not going to be better than a circle. <laughs> you don't need a circle to make a, a wheel, you know, until we start doing some type of electromagnetic type of wheels. Uh, yeah. yeah, if it becomes a square, like mid-use, that could be super useful, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> why don't you do a square (laughs) i mean talk about annoying your friends right there get them a square wheel check out these new square tires you guys are building my business for me thank you Uh, you talk a bit about uh you mentioned a few times you know your entrepreneurial history so can you tell us a bit about that and kind of like how how did you get to this like you mentioned you want to change the world right so what what was your experience been like with entrepreneurship and why have you wanted to pursue that overall, I guess. I, you know, I, I think we can, we can all say that are in, that are entrepreneurs, you know, you kind of always been that way. I just didn't know what it was called. You know, when you're a kid, whether you're selling this or lemonade stands or whatever it might be, you know, I did all of those things when I was young, like, Oh, I mean, I'll, I'll make this for my friends and I'll sell them for 25 cents. I, I really used to do that, you know, do these little, I had an, an Apple two E computer way Day. And I figured out how to make little cartoon characters using the little dots. And I would do like Garfield and Scooby-Doo and you'd put it in your notebook and I would sell them to my friends, put their name on it, customized for 25 cents. I used to actually do that. You know, That was my first little dip into entrepreneurship. And obviously it, it kind of grew from there. And I did things in college and, um, you know, I was always just doing stuff here and there, you know, but at the same time, you know, I think I got, you know, everything got got um, pushed even harder because my first job out of college was with Disney. So I worked, you know, in the movie business and TV. And so all these larger than life characters and all these all this creativity. So, um, you know, entrepreneurship is basically to me is just a creative way of thinking, a, a new way of thinking of the, against the norm. You know, seeing things other people might not see or connecting dots that people might not connect. So that's kind of what it is. And then, of course, having the 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 business and intuitiveness and to you know move forward with that so um i had a company you know i did something in music before i've done something in um social media sports uh one thing i had was pretty good idea was in advertising and this was before instagram and facebook were doing it so you know how now they have these instagram like shoppable tags those little white dot I created that first back in 2006, you know, we had a full on thing, but this is when you learn, like you need capital, you need, you know, patents and the money for the patents, you need all these different things. And I remember, you know, and, and another thing I, to any new entrepreneurs out there, not all money is good money. You know, we took money from somebody that kind of stalled the, the company's growth where they had too much control and it kind of ruined the idea. And believe me, it burned me up when I saw years later that Facebook started doing this and Instagram started doing this. Like, God, yeah, no, that hurts. That's the kind of rage when you feel actually hot in your body. 
<laughs> you guys know what yeah. I'm talking about when you're like, oh, yeah. I'm oh, actually yeah. like sweating because I'm so angry yeah. right now. Like that's that's that vibe. It's right totally now. sweating, but you know, it was a lesson learned. You know, and 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 it's totally fine. I just use that, you know, on to my next company and on to that. You know, you just always keep thinking and growing and learning. You know, it's not. I don't think most people don't knock it out the park on their first idea. You know, there's always like, oh, you don't hear about the seven failures they had before they finally got to this one that does work. They had to really learn entrepreneurship school, I'll say, with all your other tries. And so that's kind of where I am now. I don't think I could have worked at this level with NASA, you know, 15 years ago. It took all the lessons that I had to go through. If you're listening to Found, you're probably already super interested in startups and the overall startup ecosystem. So we've got a great deal for you. We're going to offer you 50% off either a one-year or a two-year subscription to Extra Crunch. Extra Crunch is TechCrunch's premium product offering. And when you go there, you'll get deep dive interviews with some of the top founders in the industry. You'll get market maps on specific verticals and some of the most exciting areas of growth in startup land. You'll also get uh, surveys of some of the top VCs in different areas, including different geographies. So you can subscribe to Extra Crunch at extracrunch.com. That's probably the easiest way. Or if you're already on TechCrunch, follow the links for Extra Crunch and you'll get a prompt to subscribe and then just enter that code that's found, the name of this podcast, during checkout and you'll get 50% off on either a one-year or a two-year subscription. Okay, so it's probably one that you've been asked many times, but I'm going to make it more long-winded. So like... When you're on Survivor, like, and you win, like, I know Yule works at Facebook now, like, a, a lot of the winners have gone on to be, like, pretty successful with things, because I think, obviously, they're the type of people who have insane people skills and determination, but then also you end up doing things on Survivor that sometimes, like, are not great for your overall, like, trust with people, right? Like, they see you as capable of doing things that are not trustworthy. So I was just curious, like, how much being on Survivor and having won it and having like kind of the double-edged sword of what that is like affects, affected your career after the fact? Well, after I won Survivor, I pretty much retired from working. Uh, I just, you know, my thing was, I just wanted to get more experiences. You know, I had been working for, you know, 10, 15 years, whatever. And um, so I just traveled a lot. So I traveled the world, you know, went to, you know, over 40 different countries and, you know, just just had fun, you know, just learning and, and experiencing life. Um, I would say that when I started getting back into entrepreneurship and doing things, it definitely helps with getting a meeting when you can yeah. say, right. Yeah. And, 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 that, and that's what's cool about it. But then it makes me think like, man, it was so unfair a long time ago on hard, how hard it was to get meetings with people. And another reason why we're doing a crowd equity uh, fundraise, which we'll get to that later. Yeah. There's I do want to talk about that. Yeah. We're doing these type of things because I remember how unfair things were when I was trying to pursue certain jobs, certain uh, companies, you know, and I just want things to be more fair and people have equal access to things. So um, with, with the survivor, yes, that definitely helped. I mean, it doesn't make me a better entrepreneur. It doesn't make me do anything, but it could help as a selling point to yeah. maybe- It's a hook. Or, yeah. Everybody needs a hook, right? Yeah, because survivor's hard. You know, you win survivor's like, oh, that shows you have some tenacity, huh? You have some resilience. Okay, that that works for being an entrepreneur or being a CEO. You got to have those kind of skills. And you're a people person. Another thing that's great for being a CEO 
I almost think that that part of it is so much more impressive. I, I, I realize that I haven't done it, so I can't speak. And I know that most people who play say that the hardest part is actually trying to control your emotions when you're in so much physical kind of agony, like when it's raining and really cold or you're really hungry, like trying to keep your emotions in check when you're in that state. But I actually find it so much more impressive that the winners were able to gain people's respect while also right while dashing their chances yeah. well also like by like you're literally like taking someone out of their dream and getting them to give you yours which is like an insane amount of people skills and an insane amount of like like how did you do that and it's even more interesting from the fact that they're all different people so you don't use the same formula on every single one of them like each person needs something different from you so being able to look at a group of nine people and say like here's exactly what you need from me and giving that to them in order to get their respect while you ruin their day is like an insane thing to be able yeah, to do. I mean, you definitely understand the mechanics of the show on how that works, but somebody might vote you out because they don't like your glasses. It could be <laughs> like, you just never know. So I would, I always tell people like, sure, it's great. I won and, and everybody deserves some respect and, you know, credibility for winning but every season's different um everybody's experience on there is different and you just never know what's going to happen like 50 percent of winning is luck it's literally luck well that's part of why i love love the show so much is because unlike a lot of reality shows i feel like they don't do a lot of bending over backwards to make the person who deserves to win win. There are many, many, many seasons of Survivor where the person who really like earned it the most just didn't, couldn't get it over the finish line. And then I think, and what you're saying actually applies a lot to entrepreneurialism as well, because like at the end of the day, you can do all of the work and do it right. And, and sometimes rarely you can even do it without making mistakes or making fatal mistakes. And it's still won't work out. I mean, the pandemic is a great example of that, right? Like how many businesses like were probably making a lot of missteps and got a huge boost all of a sudden out of nowhere because the world went remote. And then conversely, companies that were doing great and absolutely killing it in the world we lived in a year ago just fell off the earth because this random fluke, massive thing happened. You're exactly right. That's how Survivor works. And that's how it applies to the real world. You know, timing means everything. You know, you can call it luck or whatever. Like, you know, a lot of companies were born out of the pandemic. Somebody could have had the same idea two years before that, and they just couldn't get it going. And then the company, like, oh, wow, they're so great. Here's this unicorn. Like, but they weren't the first to do it. It's just timing. And that's how it works on Survivor. Timing. You just never know. Sometimes you're, like, one second away from winning a challenge on whether you go home or not. And it's not even your fault. It's somebody else's fault. But then you're going home just because – you're so nice and you're good. So I don't want to go to the end with you. Like what a, a nasty little concept. <laughs> you're such a great person. You're so smart and wonderful. We have to get rid of you because you're a threat. Yeah, totally. Or the people who get too aggressive, they're like, oh, I want to determine my fate. And in the first, you know, two tribals, they're trying to dictate who goes home because they're trying to control their game. And people are like, no, no, you rose to leadership too soon, right? Like you have to find it right with like eight people left somehow and then maintain it somehow. This is how it works. It's very complicated. I mean, I, I, the biggest asset 
to have on Survivor is, yes, the social skills, but, you know, emotional intelligence. And that's how it works in business on any leadership position. You have to really understand different people and the dynamics and adaptation to how everybody communicates differently. You know, some people say like their love language, like everybody's different. And so you have to feed people different ways and push and pull in different ways uh, to really navigate through the game. And then, Obviously, that's a skill set for people that win, but some people coast all the way through to the end. <laughs> you never know. I think self-awareness too, right? Like, I mean, that, and that's another entrepreneurial skill where like people don't, you feel like really grounded in who you are, but you don't say, okay, well, this person is totally different from me and the way they might perceive that will come off this way or that way. Like some people just like are so true to who they are that they don't realize that 50% of the population is put off by that. Like you have to adapt and be aware of the fact that like, while this person might see that as confidence, this person might see this as arrogance. Or while this person might see this as like vulnerability that works in my favor, this person might see it as weakness. And it's hard to tell the difference and it's hard to be like that introspective on yourself, which I feel like applies in many ways to entrepreneurialism as well. Well, and management and like every, as Jordan's saying this, I'm like, this is Jordan just explaining to me her managerial style like in detail. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's good though. I mean, I, yeah, I think I, I've definitely can think of many instances where like, you know, if you had a band manager or something like that, what, what it came down to was they were like, Hey, uh, it's my way or the highway basically, you know? And like, they didn't, they didn't realize they needed to adapt to different people and that it always works that way. It's always an exchange. It's never like a this way and down. Right. But yeah, a lot yeah. of people have a hard time with uh, adapting who they are and in different situations. And, and like she said, you know, how you're perceived, you got to understand, like you have to have this kind of true self-awareness on who you are and how people might be looking at you. It's almost like politics. You know, it's, it's, it's very political. You know, it's it's a lot of uh, give and take in a lot of different ways. And uh, it, it's, it's, it's a very difficult game. And I was fortunate to play it. And I was glad I was, you know, I was in my you know early 30s when I was on there. And so it was helpful that I had some experience. I can only imagine being like 21 being on there because you're so emotional about things and you're driven for different reasons when you're that young. We don't have that calmness. It kind of comes with age and experience. And so that's why I think the majority of people that do win are a little bit older because they get it, you know? Yeah, I completely agree. I think there's also a reason why there are certain people that, like there are people who've played many times, like Ozzy, who have never won because he didn't, it felt like he never really learned that like fishing and being good at challenges does not a survivor make or win or a survivor win or make. Like you can't, you have to learn from your experiences. You know what I mean? And you have to like adapt all the time. But anyway, sorry, I could do this with you like literally forever. Like we could spend a lifetime doing this, but I, I'll chill. Hundreds of conversations with this. It, it follows me everywhere, but I'm okay with it. You know, it's just the show has been on it's season 41. I know. Well, and it is a reflection of life, like in so many ways, like Survivor is a is a game of, of life, you know, like if you. Yeah, there's a reason it resonates with so many people. Yeah. That's why, you know, so it sounds like a lot of this carries over. I do want to talk about your relationship with investors and how you you chose to go with WeFunder uh, uh, on this one, which is like, 
we're seeing it come up quite a bit now with startups as they're going to WeFunder and doing the crowd crowdsourced equity model, right? Um, but it's still relatively new. So, and you mentioned, you know, having having learned the lesson early on that like, oh, there's bad money too, right? Which is another lesson we hear a lot from from entrepreneurs, right? So, how did you think about it with this time around, and what what kind of like experiences in your past led to your decisions around how you were going to fundraise this company? You know, I actually run a nonprofit as well. Uh, it's for a, a rare bone disease that I actually have when I was a kid. So that's a whole other long story that added to my persona and perspective and how I, I'll view the world. Um, so dealing with something to where you're giving and not getting anything back is kind of how I am as a person. Like, just be kind. Just be nice just to be nice. You don't need anything in return. Just put the good karma out there. You know, so... Um, doing something like this with a, a crowd funder, my reasoning for, you know, and my co-founder agree, like, you know, I wanted to give just the everyday person a, a chance to invest because you, people invest, but it, it gets complicated. You know, when you're the regular, you know, guy or, or mom with three kids and you go to work, you didn't know how to, you can invest in Amazon or <laughs> Facebook. You know, you don't you know anybody who works at a hedge fund or in the stock market or anything like that. So you never have that access to get wealth. You hear about people like, oh, they invested in Bitcoin early and they got this, but you don't have time for all that. So if you make it simple where somebody can put in like, hey, you just put in a hundred bucks and you're part of something big. Get all of these messages from people saying like, you know, thank you for doing something like this. We think this is a great idea, you know, because everybody relates to tires because people have cars, bikes, all that stuff. So, you know, and you think like this next big thing, you know, that's really cool and it's related to NASA. You know, they're so, you know, enthusiastic to even put in a hundred bucks. Like, and that's a, might seem small to some people, but that's a lot to some people. They're like, they're taking a chance. And so we wanted that. We wanted a, an equal playing field to where every the average Joe can invest in our company. And so that's why we started off like that. Like anybody can be a part of our company. Let's do this together. This is truly something we're trying to do to change the world. Nice. Yeah. I mean, you do hear those stories even like uh, with Facebook, there's some crazy apocryphal ones. I think they're all mostly true, but like, uh, you know, the guy who did the like, uh, mural, right? And it was like, oh, well, yeah. we can't pay you, but we'll pay you, we'll throw you some equity. <laughs> 200 million is what yeah. cash out of for, yeah. you know, and which is cool, you know? Very cool, but also not accessible to everyone, right? Yeah, definitely not accessible to everyone. So, you know, hey, I, I, I would hope that we reach that kind of status where we're a multi billion dollar company and, you know, all those people's hardworking people that put in a hundred bucks, 200 bucks here and there can just, watch it grow and it get something big and they can tell their kids like see hey this is how you invest this is how you can build wealth in, a, in another way besides just putting your money in a bank and you know these little tiny increments you know for the next 30 years like here's the other way you can do it so i i love that that's why i was really drawn to doing it this way now mind you we're gonna have to do the bigger money from eventually but you know i'm always still like mm, with vc sometimes you know, <laughs> <laughs> really tricky so when you do go and look for institutional money like what it, it feels a little bit like the hype that you've built and the momentum that you have and the fact that this is kind of in a way frontier technology as well could get a lot of um, excitement stirred up in the VC community like what is it that you're looking for as someone who was kind of like burned by a VC before 
What is it that you're like looking for? Yeah, well, I mean, I've, you know, of course, not all VCs are the same. You know, I, I know that. Uh, I'm just now more cautious on what I look at and, you know, the due diligence and everything that, you know, all the paperwork, everything, terms, you know, even in more detail, you know, and having the money to actually have attorneys to <laughs> look at a lot of that stuff, you know, because when you're starting out, a lot of times you don't have any money to do anything, you know, you have to wear many hats and, and, all, and all those things. So, um, you know, to look for the institutional money, you know, like I said, they, they are already lining up for this because, um, you know, we think it is something pretty revolutionary, you know, that we're trying to do and disruptive, even though those terms get thrown around a lot, disruption and revolutionary. But we do really think this might be something. And I think NASA agrees. Right. They're pretty well known, right? Yeah, so, they're kind uh, of a big deal. I don't know. Yeah, they had kind of, kind of a big deal. So, <laughs> bigger deal than a survivor winner, even. Yeah. Which, I mean. well, actually, the being a survivor is a bigger deal than NASA. Okay. <laughs> I, I actually personally agree with that. I think that yeah, we I mean, get shouted out of the room, but I agree. So what, but can you open a coconut in six seconds, huh? Yeah. <laughs> when's the last time you started a fire in a rainstorm, NASA? Yeah, they've never done that. So what they put rockets up there and going to moon? What does that mean? You know, I, I can Nothing use a machete and I can catch fish in three minutes. Yeah, I never yeah, seen that Mars rover can't space. catch any fish. I've been yeah. watching it. <laughs> yeah, that Sucks Mars rover can't catch a fish. Yeah, <laughs> why don't you get someone's boat in a good way, Mars rover? Yeah. Can you do that? Useless on an island. <laughs> <laughs> Shitting on NASA this whole fucking time. Hey, NASA, we, we, we appreciate your service. No, but you. So, if you have them lining up, are you already in that place where you're like, well, maybe we should start taking meetings? Or are you are you focused in and you're like, no, we're gonna do, we're gonna focus on our crowdfunding thing. We set that amount. We know what we want. Or like, what's your th- thought process for next steps for that? Yeah, I mean, we put a, a whole strategy in place. Um, we're still at the beginning stages of our crowdfunding. Uh, we're happy how it's been going. And it's where, been doing good so far. They got it open. Yeah, I'm looking yeah, at it. <laughs> yeah, we were doing, I mean, we expected to drop off this week, which is kind of you know predictable. Uh, but yeah, it was on fire. And so we, we were glad that it was resonating with people, our whole story and what we're trying to do. Uh, how it's all presented, you know, just, you know, we're, we're thinking, you know, five, 10 years down the road on what this could possibly be. VCs are in contact with us. Um, so that is there, but we also have, you know, business partners and other uh, entities that want to, you know, partner with us or even invest in a company. So we like that route as well, because uh, that can be very helpful on what we're trying to do. Like I said, we have, you know, felt involved and spent, and so we we like that. We're trying to build more partnerships like that, because we really do this right. You know, we want to do this right as possible, and it's not about, you know, how much money we can raise. And we're like, it's like. How much brain power and strategy can we raise? How much infrastructure can we build before we even go to market? Mm-hmm. It's a lot easier. So that's kind of yeah. With this, it seems like a natural fit for strategic investors, right? Because you, you know, it also they seems become like customers. a natural fit for uh, someone who might come hungry for an acquisition. Like, is that something that you one have you been approached? I your face tells me that yes, you have. I'll tell you, you listeners, that his face said, "Hell yeah, they're coming left and right." But like, what? How? How are you thinking about something like that? Because you seem like the kind of person that really wants like control of it a little bit. Um, but it could also be huge. Yeah, I want to. You know, I want to do my part right now on what 
should be done. And, you know, I have my vision, uh, my co-founder, we have our vision on what we want this to be and we want to shape it the right way, put the good energy in it, you know, um, and move forward that way. And I think we have, have put together the right narrative and the right idea and strategy to where this can be a good thing. I mean, cause we mean what we say, we truly want to try to change the, the entire industry, you know, as far as, you know, making it more eco-friendly, um, just longer lasting tires. Like we truly, truly want to do that and do all the work behind that. And, you know, however NASA can help power that. So, you know, hey, if an exit comes sooner than expected, we'll take it, you know? I don't mind. I, I still have a, you know, a passion for islands. And, <laughs> you know, <laughs> maybe not being on the show and starting. Just own one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah you know, I, I don't mind owning one. <laughs> you could start a survivor competitor. Could you at least cast me on that? <laughs> I, I can do that. <laughs> uh, there we go. So we'll at least have that deal in place. I think we're, we're near the end of time here, but like, is there anything else that, that you wanted to tell us about kind of what, what is next for the company? Are you guys hiring up a bunch of people? Like, what are you doing at this stage now that, that you've kind of announced it? You got your timelines down. Uh, what, what, what's the big, next big news we can expect from you guys? The next big news, um, we'll probably just have to do with fundraising and, and money and investments and things like that. But we do have another prototype coming out much better than what we put out there now. Cause we kind of had to really do some makeshift stuff to <laughs> make this happen. Uh, we were actually trying to time everything with the release, with the landing of the Mars Perseverance rover. Yeah, so um, we were a little bit behind that. Not our fault. NASA being a little slow. Uh, so still love you, NASA. Uh, <laughs> um, so probably just more investment stuff, and then uh, another type of product will be announced. Man, we will be hiring. You know, at some point once we have the full fundraise, um, we'll be looking for you know the best and the brightest and and people that don't normally have access to these kind of opportunities. So we'll definitely be looking for more, more diversity and, you know, people from different backgrounds that, you know, never get these kind of opportunities. So that's one of our missions as well. Nice. Nice. And you mentioned geographically, like Ohio is the center for the tire. And I, I actually should know, but where are you guys actually based? Like, where's the, the kind of company going to be based? Cleveland. But we're going to be, we're based in Los Angeles, but we are going to, you know, cause NASA's in Ohio that we're working with and, uh, the inventors are actually in Ohio as well. So because of the manufacturing and infrastructure is there, we're going to definitely use that for our manufacturing hub. But a lot of our technology and um, other uh, strategic partnerships are here in California. Felt is based here. Spin is based in California. So we have this nice little mix of California tech and innovation mixed with like the industrial stuff of Ohio. So it's, uh, it seems like we'll be on a plane a lot. So I just want people to uh, definitely join our mission if you want on our WeFunder, or you can just follow us on social media or just visit our website for more information. All right. So now that we've heard Earl burn all of his bridges with NASA, uh, (laughs) (laughs) what do you think, Jordan? I mean, that was definitely uh, one of our looser conversations so far. And I really appreciated that Earl was willing to to be so kind of casual and uh, uh, informal with us. Yeah, I it was just fun. It was like felt like sitting at a bar a little bit with a with an old pal and chit chatting. I also feel like I, it's important for me to give you and our listeners my notice that I will be 
uh, going on Survivor with right. a recommendation from Earl. And so I may have to miss a few episodes. I think airing is about six weeks. So um, other than that, I mean, I, Earl is amazing. I had so much fun talking to him. I hope that our listeners had as much fun kind of listening in on that conversation because it was a blast. Found is hosted by myself, TechCrunch news editor Daryl Etherington, and TechCrunch managing editor Jordan Crook. We are produced and mixed by Ashad Kulkarni, and TechCrunch's audio products are managed by Henry Pickovit. Our guest this week was Earl Cole, co-founder and CEO of the Smart Tire Company, and also a Survivor winner. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, and on Twitter at twitter.com slash found. You can also email us at found at techcrunch.com with any feedback. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week. 